0: To make my teenagers say um, i'm really excited about this season in, at generations church there's a lot of amazing things that are happening here i believe that god is moving here and there's an exciting season I, like everything about this is really exciting because the season that i'm in is a really exciting season i got 56 days and i'm a married man i'm really excited about that and all of you guys that thought that it would never happen in your face um i don't know Anyway, so, but today, you know, it's a really exciting season. I believe that God is doing incredible things in this body, in the individual lives of of our members. And I really believe that today the message God has given me really will change not only your life, but if you're a parent, it's going to change your family's life. If your grandparents gonna change your children and your grandchildren, future generations. And I really do believe that it's not only gonna change your family, but it's gonna change the course of this church. I believe it's gonna change the course of Granberry, of Texas, the United States, and the nations of the world will be impacted by the message that I have to share today. And I, I just wanna declare that out to you guys today. But before I do, I, I wanna continue on in this survey, in this, uh, series with discipleship i am speaking on that but before we we go any further i want to ask a question then we'll dive into this how many of you guys i'm just curious how many of you guys have been walking with the lord for five years or more five years or more okay the majority of us here how many of you guys have been walking for 10 years or more in this body okay a few less hands how many of you guys are 20 years or more walking with the lord okay i'm just gonna up it how many of you guys are 50 years or more walking with the lord yeah, I'm not 50, sorry. Okay, can I just applaud those of you that have been faithful to the, to the call and to walking faithfully with the Lord. You know, we live in a culture where really it is not, um, everything, everything is against the Christian faith right now. Everything is tearing at, at what we stand for and what we believe. And so for, for those of you that are 50 years and more still standing, I just can't tell you what an honor it is that you are a part of this body, because we have so much to learn from you guys, and we just want to honor you today. And so, Amen. yeah, give those people a hand. What I want to do, i got to change my notes up a little, because I changed it right before we started. Um, what I want to do is, I'm going to, uh, today we're going to do, do some teaching. We've been talking about um, Peter, Bar, uh, Simon, son of Barjona, but today we're going to be talking about his hermano, his brother uh, Andy. Or Andrew is really Andrew, but I like to call him Andy because he was the first disciple and the greatest in my opinion. <laughs> and, uh, and so he, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about him today. I want you real quickly, grab your Bibles. I want you to turn to John chapter one. That's where we're going to start. Mary, do we have those slides ready? Wait for it. There we go. Excellent. We're going to start in John chapter one, verse 35. Now, I'm, I'm going to just do this for the sake because I'm up here and I got the microphone. It's kind of cool to do this sort of stuff. But in general, what we do sometimes is we have, when we want to honor the word of God, we have people stand for it. So I'm just going to ask you this morning, as we read the word out loud, I'm just going to ask you to stand in honor of it. If the president of the United States walked in, regardless of how you feel about President Obama or not, out of honor for the position, we would stand. And I believe the word of God, who is God, according to John 1.1, Deserves our honor. Let's just read this. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Next slide. There we go. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. You can have a seat. Lord, we just thank you for today, God. Lord, we thank you for your word that is powerful and effective in our lives. It is alive in our hearts, God. Lord, we ask today for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be upon our hearts. Jesus, we have to know you. Jesus, we want to know you. Know your heart. Know what you're thinking. Know what you're feeling, Father. We must Know you, God. Father, today we just thank you. We glorify you for all that you're going to do in our hearts. Lord, open our hearts up to hear from you, God, today. Let my words fall to the ground and may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, Today we are uh, talking about uh, steps of discipleship. These are lessons you may want to move on. Steps of discipleship. These are lessons in discipleship from Andy Barjona. and so, <clears throat> that was a little fun picture for you. I don't know who took that. Anyway, I I really do believe, um, you know, I, I, for some reason, every time I come up here to speak, I, send, I seem to talk about the Great Commission. And the reason is, is because it probably is the most important thing that Jesus ever said to us on this earth. He taught us a whole lot of stuff, but at the end, he actually gave us all, every single one of us in this room, a vision for our life. And it's this. He said, go. And make disciples. Now thank you for those ten that said amen. That should be congregation wide. That is your calling upon your life. That's my calling upon my life. To go make disciples. We are not called to go and make converts. That's not what Jesus said. We're not called to make church sitting Christians. That's not what he said. He said you go and you make disciples in your life. And so today what I feel like our call is is one, if we're going to make disciples, we've got to be a disciple. We've got to learn what that means to be a disciple. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take this passage that we just read and we're going to make ourselves a little disciple. And I believe that if we take the principles out of this, there's seven seven principles that I believe God has for us today to learn, that I believe it will transform your life. It has been transforming my life for the last month since I, since I started studying this. And so anyway, let's just dive into this. Here's the deal. Let me, let me recast the vision of what just happened here, what we just read. For those of you guys that are men, um, we need like repetition for learning. So I'm going to help the men out in the house. It's okay. I'm one of those. So basically this is what happens. John, meaning John the Baptist, he comes out into, he comes into the picture and he's got two disciples that are with him. Now, if you were to read the backlog, two days prior to this happening, John, um, was questioned, are you the Messiah? And he says, no, I'm not. I'm the one that points to the Messiah. The next day, Jesus shows up onto the scene and John looks at him with everybody around John and he declares, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's what, that's what John declared there. Is behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Day three shows up. Jesus comes by again. John is talking to the disciples. And I love this. Jesus is kind of on a a saunter. He's just walking by, you know, just kind of. He doesn't even acknowledge John or the disciples. He's just walking by is what it says. And he declares. John again sees him and he points him and he declares out. Behold, the Lamb of God. And these disciples, they hear this. Now it's the third day in a row that they've heard that John's going to point to the Messiah. The second day that they've heard him declare that this is the Messiah. And John declares it out and these two disciples, they get off their tails and they start following Jesus, right? And so because of that, Jesus senses that they're behind them. He turns to them, looks at them and asks them this great question. What are you seeking? Okay, we'll stop there and we'll move on here in a second. But what I want to do is I want to hit the first principle within being a disciple. The first principle of this is what we see in the first two verses when John sits there and he declares out, who, or declares out, behold the Lamb of God. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you've got to position yourself to hear who God is. Let me make that clear. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have to position yourself to hear who God is. And that's what these guys were doing. In fact, let me just give you props today. Today, you have positioned yourself to hear who God is. That's what we're doing today. So props to you. You've got step number one down. Good job. And so from there, but, but well, not from there, but the reality of this is many of us, whoa, we are like about five st- steps ahead. Can we go back? It's locked up. Okay, we'll move on. It's okay. We don't need projection Anyway, so um, basically the reality is is if we don't position ourselves to hear who God is, the majority of the church today is positioning themselves to hear who Satan is and to listen to his lies. And many of us sitting here in this room, we position ourselves day after day. And I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you and confess, I am one of those people that I find myself more times than not positioning myself to hear the lies of the enemy through the iPods, through the... The internet, through the, the direct TV, through all these forms of media that right now are funneling the lies of who Satan is and what his domain looks like. We listen to that and we position ourselves in that vicinity more than we do to position ourselves to hear who God is. And if we're going to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, first thing we've got to do is we've got to position ourselves to hear who God is. Second thing that we've got to do, and this is really simple, you're going to see this pattern uh, uh, in the next six steps, is there's a response that has to be made. John declares, "Behold, the Lamb of God." What do the disciples do? They move. They're like, "Okay, he's the Messiah. You're not peace, John." And they're going in the direction of John uh, of Jesus. Okay. Step number two is you got to make steps towards him. You know, I, I love this. Pastor Allen hates a movie, and I'm going to pick on him for a second. He hates this movie called What About Bob? How many of you guys have seen the movie What About Bob? If you're a teenager, it came out before you were born. Um, but but what about Bob? Has this principle in it that really it does apply here? Is baby steps. How many of you guys remember that? Baby steps to the door. Baby steps out of the office. I'm out of the office. Baby steps. And the reality is, is right here. When you hear for the first time who Jesus is, those steps need to be the first thing you take. Is you need to start following in alignment with who Jesus is. That word to follow means to be in the same way as. And as we follow, we need to be in the same way as, who, uh, as Jesus Christ. Okay? So those are the first two steps. Pretty easy. you got to position yourself to hear who God is. And once you hear, you respond. You move. You get off your keister and you go. And so that's what we're doing today. And that's what I'm challenging you guys today. Some of you guys, for the first time today, you are hearing who Jesus is. He is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. The King of kings, Lord of lords, Prince of peace. The one who died in your place. What you rightfully deserve, Jesus took on the cross. That is who Jesus is. For some of you guys today, you need to hear that. Step number two, you need to respond to it. Now the cool thing is, is Jesus takes on the next couple steps. This has nothing to do with us. But I love that our God is an all-knowing God. You get, do you gather this? I mean, just picture this in your mind. John's sitting there having a chit-chat. Hey, guys, did you see me dunk that 300-pound man? Yeah, that was hefty. And uh, he's talking to these... I don't think he really had that conversation. But he's talking to these guys. Jesus walks by, and John declares, Behold the Son of God. Now, Jesus has passed them, right? And these guys start following. So Jesus' is back is literally he's to the disciples. These to these two guys that are following him. And I love that we have a God that is an all-knowing God. And he responds to the first steps of our heart. He knows. He absolutely knows. When our heart responds to him, he is quick to respond. And we see it in the scripture, what Jesus does. And he stops, he turns, and he looks at them. And this morning, I guarantee you, for those of us that are taking the step towards him, God's eye has turned upon us and he's looking at us. He is gazing upon you right now. Have you ever thought of that before? The God of the universe is looking at you. It's a little violating sometimes, you know, in the shower. Oh God, you know, but but right now, this morning, thank God you're not in there for all of our sakes. God, God is looking at you. His eye is upon you and you alone because of your heart's response to Him. I love that we have a God that knows when we respond. He knows the slightest movement that we make to Him. I love that about Him. As we draw near to Him, He is faithful to draw near to us. But then He takes it a step further. He doesn't just stare us down, you know. Sometimes I... I think we feel like God's a bully where he's just like, you know, fire blazing out of his eyes. I'm going to get you. Like, it's not like that. He looks with compassion and tenderness. And then he takes a step further and he asks the greatest question I think that he could ever ask us. He asks us this. What are you seeking? Now, you may sit there and say, that's not that great of a question, Andy. I could come up with a better question to ask. But let me define for you what that term seeking means. When you look at it in the Greek, seeking doesn't just mean seek. What Jesus was saying there, that word to seek literally means to worship. And Jesus turns and he looks at them and he says, What do you worship this morning? What do you worship? That's the question that Jesus poses to our hearts this morning. As we take steps towards him, he's asking every disciple of him. He wants to know, where is your heart at? Do you worship me or do you worship the pleasures of this earth? Do you worship me or do you worship your own selfish desires? And Jesus turns and he looks at him with compassion. He says, what do you worship? Now, moving on, we've got step number three, which is a great step. I love this. They respond by declaring his greatness and our weakness with one word. Get this. I, I just, I almost like passed out and like, had convulsions when I realized this. It's so cool. Please don't do that this morning. We don't uh, have a defibrillator around. Anyway, so um, it's literally what Jesus did. Is when he asked that question, these disciples declared that his greatness and their weakness with this one word, "Rabbi." And I want you to think about that. Rabbi means teacher. We read that in the scripture. And to acknowledge someone as teacher means that they have the knowledge that you need. You are you are weaker, they are stronger. And so they literally, what they do is they acknowledge praise before the Lord and they declare, Rabbi, teacher, teach us. You are greater, we are less. Rabbi. And many of us this morning, we don't have a teachable heart. In the church in America... We don't have a teachable heart because we want God to be our Savior and to get us out of jail free. But when it comes down to it, we don't really want to learn how to live that life that he's called us to because if we did, we'd read the scripture. The scripture would tell us what to do and we would respond to it. But rather than that, most of us have... rebellion in our heart that we sit there and we want to acknowledge God just get me out of this problem I I know I sank so much money into the stock market and it was stupid I realized that God but if you could just give me a couple million you know or something like that that was probably extreme wasn't it that was yeah anyway and so we want God to get us out of trouble time after time but we're not willing to learn the principles and learn from the master learn from the rabbi and so this morning, I believe that some of our hearts, I believe that God is asking the question, what do you worship? I think some of our hearts this morning need to declare, God, you are our teacher, teach us. You are greater than me. And I am weaker. I am in need of you. But they don't stop there. The, the d- two disciples, they don't stop there. They move on to the next point. Point number th- four, four, yes, they express longing to be, with where, be where he's at, where Jesus lives. They ask the question, where do you live? Jesus, where do you live? You know, I, when I was preparing for this um, with the students, it was funny, I, I threw this, I, I really felt like the Lord spoke something to my heart with this point um, when I was preparing for the students. And uh, I kind of laughed because when I said it to the students, they didn't realize what the words meant <laughs> that I said. Um, and... Uh, which we'll talk to their English teacher about that. Um, But I really felt like the Lord spoke to my heart. and He said, Andy, if you never ask this question in your walk with the Lord, your walk is a facade and a masquerade. If you never desire to be in the place where I dwell, if you never desire to search me out, then everything that you walk around declaring is a fake. It's a facade. And the reason is, and I I prayed about this more and more, and I, I felt like this was the reason, is I believe that the Lord wants us to come to him on his terms. I believe that the Lord really is like, look, here's the deal. I am God. I'm the one that created you. You play by my rules. You can't manipulate me. You can't twist me. You can't beg me. You can't plead with me and do a thousand Hail Marys. That doesn't work. You come to me on my terms. Seek where I dwell. Because where I dwell is fullness of joy. It's love, joy, peace, righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Whoa, yeah, we sing about that. We sing about that. And that's the reality of it is we as believers, we've got to be people that are seeking after the place in the presence of God. I love David said it like this in Psalm 27.4. He said, one thing that I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may look upon his beauty and that I may meditate in his temple. The desire of the king of Israel was to be in the place where the Lord dwelt. And the desire of these two disciples was to be where Jesus dwelt. You know, it's kind of an interesting, that this is an interesting response, uh, I think, in worship, because typically you don't see these two principles in most of the songs that we sing. You don't sing, Rabbi, where do you live? We don't sing songs like, Rabbi, where do you live? Woo, Rabbi, where? Like, we don't sing songs like that. Now, the sad thing is, is half of you guys thought that was a great song, didn't you? You really did. You're like, oh, I would worship to that, you know? Don't, that was bad. Anyway, so the reality is we don't sing those kind of things, but that's the principle of what goes on in our hearts in the midst of worship. It's declaring, God, you are greater than me. We are lesser. You're the teacher. Teach me. Show me where you live. And then Jesus responds with the great invitation. He says, come and see. You come and see where I dwell. Here, I'm inviting you to be with me. Can you imagine what that would be like? No other religion in the entire world has a God that invites us to be with him. We, we have the living, breathing God that sits there and says, look, I made you and I could take you out of this world. I brought you in. I could take you out. And he says, no, but I want to be with you. Come, see where I dwell. Now the cool thing is, is we get to go. Literally, the disciples, they get up and they follow. Remember Andrew and the other disciple who we don't care about? Andrew, just kidding, we do care about him. Um, but Andrew gets up with this other bro, Sif, and they go and they follow where Jesus live they find where Jesus lives, and they spend the entire evening with him. I find it so amazing. I think, like, I'm just speculating here, so don't, use this as canon, but I just can't imagine what it would be like to be Andrew in that moment. I think he was probably sitting there seeing God laugh for the first time and he's like, oh my gosh, I am captivated by who this man is. I'm so fascinated with him. He is God in the flesh I have seen him with my own eyes. I can't imagine what it would be to spend an entire evening face-to-face with God in the flesh, with Jesus Christ himself. And I think that excitement just boiled over and lifted him up. And he was just like, I, I can't believe it. It's, it's God. It's God in the flesh. It's Jesus himself. I've got to go tell somebody. And that's the next step. Is once we respond and we, get, we get to the great invitation and we go to where he dwells. The next step is we respond by telling others who Jesus is. You notice Andrew goes to his brother immediately after. Which, by the way, is Simon who ends up being Peter who's the foot-and-mouth guy that we've been talking about. Andrew evangelized Peter, the rock on which the church is built. Who's greater? Andrew? Come on. Anyway... Lord, forgive me. Anyway, so, but it's, I mean, it is really, it is amazing to me that when I spend time with the Lord, when I am, when I'm found in his presence, the only thing that I could ever do is to respond and go tell somebody. You know, this last Wednesday, I'm just going to share this story because it, Like, I didn't plan for this. This just kind of happened this last Wednesday. I kind of had to go fight a ticket in Arlington, and I won. And uh, on the way back, I had to go get gas, like everybody else. I had to go get gas, and and, uh, I'm at this gas station, and uh, I'm sitting there pumping up. I'm almost done with my gas, and all of a sudden, this rickety car comes around the corner and parks behind the car on the other side of the pump. And the guy gets out of his car, and I, I was... I was quite intrigued as to why he didn't even go ask this guy. He comes up to me, he's like, "Hey man, can you can you spot a few bucks? I've asked about twelve people, and nobody has been willing to give me any money to help for gas." And I'm sitting there thinking, "Dude, you parked behind this dude. Why didn't you ask him? You know, like that was my thoughts. Like, why are you, why are you coming to me? Uh, you know." And uh so, anyway. I, but, because I got out of the ticket and I didn't have to pay anything. I had a couple extra bucks, so um, I was like, "No, that's not right." But he asked me that, and I was like, "Absolutely dude. Actually, let me just fill up your tank for you and uh, and so I 'm sitting there, and I'm, I put the card in, into the pump, and I start pumping his gas and and I start talking with the man and find out all sorts of things about his life. I was like he told me that he used to live in Granbury and that he went through this divorce and his wife took the house and he was left in, in Fort Worth. He just had a stroke two weeks ago um, where he was, he was out of work for a while. He doesn't have any money. He hasn't eaten in two or three days is what he had told me. And I was like, man, dude. And the only response that I had in my heart was like, let me just pray with you. Let me just, let me just introduce you to who Jesus is. Let me talk to him for a second on your behalf, okay? And so I just got to pray with this guy and I realized halfway through it, I didn't sit there and say, hey, I'm a Christian, let me pray for you. He probably was like, is this guy Buddhist or Islamic or whatever? I, I don't look that, I'm Irish, you know. But anyway, so I'm sitting there and I'm just praying with this guy and afterwards he tells me about the food situation. i was like, dude, let, let me just take you to McDonald's. It's right down here. Let's go. Let me get you a meal. And that little bit was just out of this, just this moment, these times spent with the Lord that I was just like, man, I am so desperately in love with the Lord. I love being with Him. And out of that time spent with Him, the only thing that I can do and we can do is share and evangelize. And I love this. As we apply these principles, look what happens. There's restoration that takes place in a family. Let me make that clear. When we spend time in the presence of God, when we respond to the great invitation to come and see what happens is Andrew first goes and brings reconciliation to his family by grabbing his brother. Now, we speculate that these two were teenage boys. They may have been early 20s. But the reality is, is I have a brother. And when we were teenagers, we were not friends. We were rivals and enemies. And he knew that. That's right. And, uh, and so... The reality is, is I I can't imagine. I mean, it may have been different in that culture. And they may have loved each other. But the reality is, it's through this, siblings came together with a common cause. And they sought after the King of kings and the Lord of lords together. And I'm telling you guys, if you have a broken family, I don't care how long it takes to spend in the presence of the Lord. I don't care how many years you intercede over them. They will eventually be restored. It is the promise of God. And we see that restoration come through time spent with the Lord. And so not only have they heard who Jesus is, not only have they taken the first steps, not only have they declared His greatness, their weakness, and sought after the place where He dwells, and responded to the great invitation, and out of that has come evangelism. But here comes step number seven, the last step. I'm coming to the close. Anyway, coming to the close. is this. How many of you guys have ever... Um, like with that stain remover stuff that you put on your laundry. How many of you have ever read the instructions on it? I'm, I'm kind of the dork that does read instructions. If you read instructions, you're not a dork. Let me just say that. But I am. And so a lot of times the, the instructions on it are wash, rinse, and repeat. Step number seven is repeat. And let me explain this to you. We see this happen with, um, with Philip. They go to the next city that next day. They go to the next city where Philip is. Philip is from the town that Andrew and Peter are. They go and they reach out to that guy. They get greater revelation of who Jesus is by the power of God that is upon his life. They respond to it. They start to follow him even more. Jesus turns to them. He declares, what do you worship? They say, you are greater than us. We are weaker. Teacher, teach us, where do you dwell? He says, come and see. They go and see, spend time with the Lord. They go and they reach Nathaniel. They get greater revelation and they go back to the place where they find themselves seeking after him. He turns and he looks at the heart that is seeking after him and he says, what do you worship? They say, you are greater, show us where you dwell. He says, come and see. They spend time with the living God and out of that, revival takes place, evangelism takes place and for 2,000 years, this pattern has been going over and over and over and over again and you are sitting here because of it. You are here because of this pattern. Because people took the time to position themselves in a place where they hear who God is. It took the time to listen. It took the time to respond. They could have rejected the great question that Jesus asked when he asked, what are you worshiping? They could have said, myself, peace, Jesus. But they didn't. Said, God, you are greater than me. Show me where you dwell. He says, Come. You come and see. They go and spend time in the presence of the Lord. And out of that, the overflow of it is somebody has to hear the greatness of who our God is. Let me just tell you this body. There are nations that have yet been untapped, that have yet to be tapped into. There are mission fields that have yet to be reached that I believe this church is called to reach and it's going to come out of the place of responding to to the Lord in this manner. I believe that as, as we grab hold of these principles, that literally your family will be transformed we saw it take place in Andrew's family and who came out of that but the rock on which the church was built upon some of you mothers and fathers you have a rock as a child as a son or a daughter that nations will be impacted upon parents you have gold in your in your hands with your children You have children that literally—I love, I love hearing stories. The, the the great thing about being youth pastor and having my mom as the children's pastor is I hear some of the greatest stories of what goes on in that children's church, and then I get to see what happens in the youth group as lives are being transformed. We had a girl last week in Genrev that preached a message about love for the first time. She's never preached to us before. She got up and declared the word of the God before our students. It transformed the hearts of uh, of our kids. There is gold sitting in our, in our sanctuary every Sunday morning that stands next to us and we try to shut them up and say, just behave, don't get too crazy. But the reality is, is there is nations that are to be changed. There are, there are states that are to be transformed. There are regions, there is the city of Granbury and there's your family that's to be transformed through this process of being walked out. I believe that with all of my heart. And I believe that as we walk this out, we will see nations reach and we will see Jesus Christ ascended on, on high, coming in the clouds for his bride. I believe he is coming. I said that the last time I preached. I will say that every single time I preach. I believe that Jesus Christ is coming and I believe he's coming in my lifetime. And I believe it's going to come out of these times where we respond, where we position ourselves to hear, we respond and follow. We declare who he is in worship. Seek the place where he dwells. We follow him where he, when he says, come. And we share it with everybody that we know, his greatness. And I believe this morning there's two questions, there's two things that we've got to respond to. I'm just going to ask Pastor Allen to come up. He's going to lead us here in a second in a song. This isn't going to be every eye closed, every head bowed. I don't, I don't do that. Sorry. I think we need to proclaim who he is in our life. And I think the world needs to know it. But this morning, I really do believe that there are two questions that need to be declared out before you. And I believe these are questions, these are responses that the Lord has to us. As I believe this morning, he's asking you, what are you worshiping? We've already made the decision that we've positioned ourselves in a place to hear who God is. If by the end of the sermon you don't know who He is, may God have mercy on you. <laughs> like we know who God is here. We position ourselves to hear. Some of us we need to just take that first step in our hearts and say, God, I need I, I need to follow You again. And I don't care if you've been following the Lord for a day or if you've been following him for 50 plus years, the fact of the matter is, is every single one of us today are somewhere in this cycle because it just keeps going over and over again. It's the Energizer Bunny. It just, it doesn't stop. We may have just been fascinated with who God is. Maybe a testimony of some, something great that happened this week in your life and you got a greater revelation of who Jesus is. Respond and take that step. And allow him to turn and get, fix his gaze upon you and ask, what do you worship? I think this morning, some of us in our hearts, we just need to declare, God, you are greater than me and I am I'm lesser. You're the teacher. Lord, teach me. Some of us, we just need to acquire a teachable spirit before the Lord. God, teach me. Teach me how to live. Teach me what I should do. Teach me how, how I should respond to this situation. Jesus, teach me. Show me where you live. And I believe that as we ask that question, the Lord is giving a great invitation to our hearts today. He's saying, come. You want to know where I live? Come and see. Come and meet. Come and meet with me. I'm going to encourage us today. I know uh, there's a lot that, that's going on this afternoon. There's a lot going on in my life this afternoon. But I really want to encourage us today. We've got time. We've got time to spend with the God who spent time to make us, who spent time to come onto this earth and to live the life that, that we live. And he had time to take, to, to take his life to the cross. He had the time to take our punishment upon Himself. I think this morning we can give Him some time. I just want to encourage us this morning to spend time with the living God. You want to know what discipleship is? Go spend time with Jesus. It's not rocket science. It's not. It's just you and Jesus. I believe this morning... The Lord's just asking those questions. What do you worship? Come and see where I am. Father, I just pray over your people. I pray over every person here at Generations Church. Father, even the ones that aren't here this morning that are going to hear this CD. Father, I ask, Lord, that your spirit consume us. Father, I ask that you reveal to us who you are. God, as we position ourselves to hear who you are, Lord, would you reveal that to us, Father? Lord, I pray, God, that today hearts would take the first step towards you or take the next step towards you. Father, in their pursuit of you, God, as you turn and you look at us and you ask us the great question, what do you worship? Father, I pray, Lord, that in our hearts, that humility and teachability would reign and we would just declare, God, you are greater than us. You are a teacher. You are a rabbi. Teach us, God. Show us where you dwell. Father, I pray that as we hear you invite us in, Lord, that we would just have hearts of longing to be with you, God. And out of that time spent, Lord, that lives would be changed. God, that our families would be transformed. God, we just worship you this morning. I just want us, as Pastor Alan leads us out in this song, I just want us to stand to our feet and I want us to respond the way that you feel you need to. Each and every one of us is at some point in this process. We've not arrived as disciples, I hate to tell you this. Probably never will until the point where Christ returns. But the fact of the matter is, is each and every one of us has some place in our in our life that we we stand, some place in this cycle that we stand that we need to respond this morning. And I'm just going to encourage you guys to go after Jesus with all you have to respond to Him. Is our God. our God sing with me how great is our God